Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Savage Snowflake Podcast with Jeff Leach, produced by Vigilante Productions. For more content, check out youtube.com slash JeffLeachTV. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome to episode two of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with me, Jeff Leach, recorded here live from the Leacher HQ, aka my front fucking room. How you doing, guys? It's good to have you here. Every Tuesday, the podcast is going to be live. Remember, you can join in the debate by being here live at youtube.com forward slash Jeff Leach TV. Or if you're a gamer, make sure to check out the live streams, gaming.youtube.com slash Jeff Leach TV. Uh, three times a week doing live broadcasts, also recording original comedy content, and then doing this podcast every single Tuesday. It'd be lovely to have you along. So it's been a big week. There's a lot going on at the moment. I mean, there's kids with lunatic mothers trying to scam money off people on the internet. We've got a pedophile finally being overrun in the uh, in a popular uh, media, I guess, to actually take a state representative position in Alabama. GG's Alabama. G to the fucking G's. That's good games if you're not a gamer like me. Um, plenty of other stuff going on as well. I've had a weird and interesting week myself. Lots of stand-up comedy gigs. I, I did a show last night um, here in Los Angeles for a charity called Growing Warriors, uh, which sound like a good group of people. They're very uh, 420 friendly, if you know what I'm saying. Smoking the old... They like their... That's 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 what the young people call drugs, uh, smoking and marijuana. So they like to uh, basically give veterans an opportunity to grow hemp, so they've got a job and they can also keep themselves, you know, off the fucking streets, which I think is a fantastic uh, kind of combination of taking people who, let's be real, have probably experienced a huge amount of fucking stress. If you're going out on a couple of tours. You know, even one experience out there on the front lines must be an upsetting and very traumatizing experience. But imagine coming back and being like, you know what? This country doesn't even understand me. Society doesn't want me. I can't find a job. I can't connect with people anymore. I've got PTSD. And then someone comes along and goes, listen. Hey, dude, listen. <laughs> you, you, do you want a job? Helping to grow hemp? And they're like... I mean, that sounds, it's a job. That sounds great. I'm all about jobs. Let's do it. And then, whoa, 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 it gets even better, okay? I'm going to give you a load of weed for free. I mean, fucking, come on. That's what you need to do with PTSD. You need to smoke a little bit of uh, that, that indica. I don't know which one's which. This is how out of the loop I am. I remember being a youngster and smoking weed. I think the first spliff I had was at 13 years of age. And we, we used to have spliffs. We used to mix it up with... Tobacco, that was the way you did it in England, you know, uh, when you get a little bit older and have a bit more money for weed, then you started smoking blunts, you know, but I, I remember it was just, there was just one, there was just weed, it was just like fucking weed, it was maybe Thai weed and it was orange skunk, in fact skunk was it everyone smoked back then, but now you go into one of these weed dispensaries and they got 7,000 different types of of marijuana and different strains and this one is called you know the funky chicken this one's gonna make you fall asleep this one will pick you up this one's gonna make you forget about how your dad touched you as a child this one's gonna give you a desire to be the woman you've always known you are 47 year old fat man from arkansas there's there's so many options of weed it's kind of crazy it was it was a great show though um we raised money for charity uh, so that was good for a worthwhile charity and a worthwhile cause. And I entertained a lot of people. There was They were very funny. There were some great characters in the audience. Um, including, actually, an MMA fighter. I, apparently, he's ranked eighth in the world. I didn't get his name. I did I did meet him, and I couldn't remember his name. But I talked to him a bit about Demetrius Johnson, uh, a.k.a. Mighty Mouse, the undisputed, undefeated champ. Um, and he, he knew him. He said he's a good guy. They, they obviously had a, a, had some kind of relationship within, within the MMA fighting world. Uh, but this guy was like eighth in the world. And he was talking to me. I had, I've never really enjoyed watching two grown men beat the living shit out of each other. Unless, you know, I'm involved in it. Like, sure, I've, I, there's, there's a very inherently um, Neanderthal part to my character, I think. In terms of if someone is, uh, is, is hurting one of my friends. Or if someone is trying to hurt a girl that I'm with. Or if someone is trying to, trying to, trying to do something nasty to the people I care about. I'm, I have a hero complex and I love the idea of saving them 
And because I'm a big dude, when I was younger, I always used to get in lots of fights because, like, my little friends would get, you know, bumped around or knocked or, oh, who the fuck are you looking at from some big jerk-off? And I would have to step up and be the big guy and be like, hey, <laughs> stop, sir. I command you to stop. It was like that. I was like, a, I was, a, I was, a, I was a, a giant British bodyguard to a lot of my friends. Anyway, apart from enjoying that kind of stuff, in terms of a sport, I think it's quite regressive to watch people beat the living shit out of each other. I understand how it's, it's, it's. There's quite a lot of uh, respect there. There's quite a lot of. Um, camaraderie between the fighters, especially in the UFC and MMA fighting. There's uh, an awful lot of skill and training involved. I get all of those things. Excuse me while I sip this neat vodka. Put a little badness in my soul. But here's the deal. The guy was talking to me and he was going, he was going, oh, well, you know, man, it's like a, it's a pretty hard job. And I'm like, of course it is. I mean, you've you got a lot of training. You, you can only enjoy brief periods of downtime i said and also the brain damage dude like you at some point you got to expect that you're just gonna get thick and he was like well actually depends how you fight man it depends who you go up against the best thing an opponent can do for you if he's gonna win that fight the best thing an opponent can do is ko you like that just knock you out right near the beginning you take a knee to the head and it lands right, which this guy actually apparently lost a fight last week with a knee to the head. And he was like, out cold. Boom. Maybe chat knows. Maybe the people who are watching live right now, joining the debate. Maybe you guys can check it out on the internet. Find out what his name was. He's a black guy. Uh, young. He's got 19 brothers and sisters. I found that out during the comedy show. And he, uh, he got knocked out by a head. Uh, sorry, a knee to the side of his head a week ago in a big fight. Anyway, this guy, charming guy. But he was like, yeah, you just want to get knocked out. You want to get knocked the fuck out. What, what a ridiculous... I mean, it's actually... If I think about it, it's not the, the most ridiculous idea. It kind of does update me to the concept that it's probably better to have one hard punch to the side of the head that just lands you out. And if you imagine if you get that in every professional fight. Imagine you're a, you train. You train and you become a hugely successful MMA fighter as an unprofessional. And then as soon as you hit the professional market, you just go into every fight and you just let yourself get KO'd. <laughs> in the first minute of every fight, you're still going to make some money for being in the fights. Your career is going to last maybe 10 fights. And you're only ever going to get punched 10 times. Because you get punched and you're not the fuck out. Whereas those guys who are just fighting on and on and on and on and on, those guys yeah, are getting like... A thousand almost knockout punches to the fucking head and body every single every single round every single match that they go up against uh, an opponent I'm just saying like I'm just saying listen if you're having fights this is how we should settle all fights maybe maybe this is how it should be done maybe this is how the world should operate we now go like alright here's the deal listen you were creeping on my girl you grabbed her ass at the bar you're a fucking pervert. Come here, bro. We're going outside. Boom. And this is how fighting happens from now on. It's like it's it's really like a duel, like it used to be in ye old English days. You know, like sir, you take off a glove and you slap it across your opponent's face. Sir, you have insulted my family. Avastia, I shall see you at dawn on the fields on the moors. We shall have a duel to the death. One shot musket or whatever the fuck they use, pistols. You know that kind of thing. I think it used to be swords before that, you know. But like one shot pistol. Bang. Here's how it goes, right? Cowboys. You did it in America too. The old cowboys, the old gunslinger, you know, pew shootout in the middle of the town square. I'll see you at high noon. Okay, see you there. Boom. One shot, bang, done. And one person wins. Maybe this is how we should do it. The world would be a better place if instead of just drunken sops, absolute fucking morons beating the living shit out of each other on a nightly basis, which happens all over the world, because we're animals, unfortunately, we're still animals, humans are just a, a, an, an evolved parasite that happens to be within the animal kingdom on this planet, as far as I'm concerned, we can do great good, don't get me wrong, but for every good, there's a, a huge amount of utter dog shit that we do to each other, and to the world in general, and the natural resources, etc. So here's the deal, right? Instead of big punch-ups going on everyone, it's just like national law, international law from now on. The UN, you know, some French dude with his glasses just goes, okay, uh, 
Madam Speaker, we have decided at the UN that from now on, all, all arguments between people must be solved by one punch alone. So this is how it works, right? I go, bro, you touched my girl's bum at the bar. You can't be grabbing women, dude. Me and you outside. Boom, he goes, okay, fuck boy. And we walk outside and we just get, we just get one punch and we're not allowed to block it. And we use our dominant hand and it's just a one, one punch as hard as you like to the side of the fucking head. One person's going to pass out, get them knock the fuck out. If you land, boom, clean on the side of their head. And one person might not. Or you might both get knocked out and then everyone's happy because you just chill the fuck out, the two of you. And you, you're both allowed a buddy to spot you behind, to grab you if you fall or if you get knocked out. So you don't smash all your teeth out, hitting the floor or something. And that's it. That's how every fight is dealt with from now on. Listen, guys, I don't, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't make the plans on how to establish these rules. I just come up with the, the brilliant ideas in the first place. <laughs> I don't know. Almost a thousand, a thousand almost knockout punches. Man, no wonder so many professional fighters are just dumb as pig shit after a period of the career. It sucks. I bet there's plenty of dumb people as well who have never been punched in the side of the head. So I guess at least they took the beating to earn that right to be a little bit, hey, hey, how's it going? Plus, they can't hear anything you're saying anyway because it's the cauliflower ears. Fucking gross. Speaking of uh, MMA fights, stepping up. There was this whole story this week. I don't know if you guys have been checking out social media, but you would have seen it. It was, it was spread all over the internet, TV shows, radio, publications. A kid, a little kid who was getting bullied called Keaton Jones. Oh, Keaton. I got such mixed feelings about Keaton Jones because Keaton Jones basically was um, being bullied at his school and a video surfaced. A video recorded by his mother as he sits in the car tearfully explaining how he's being bullied at school. By the way, well done to the uh, the viewers who are watching this live right now and, and joining in. They've discovered that the fighter I met was called Al Sterling and it was in Fresno that he got the knee to the head. Al Sterling, lovely guy, very charming. A lot of fighters I meet actually are very, very charming people. So here we go. The kid was being bullied, King Jones. Now I'm always super Super fucking wary when a video surfaces where a parent, a supposedly loving parent, when their child is desperately upset, crying their eyes out, instead of taking that child and just putting them in their arms and giving them a cuddle and just saying like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay and calming down. And then taking their gripes to the school administration, to the local police if that's necessary and saying, this is happening and I want it to stop happening right now. Or, if you're an angry, irate father, and the kid's bullying your kids, your kid enough, teach your kid how to kick him in the nuts. Or go down to the school and find the kids and scare the living shit out of them by standing over them going, if you fucking touch my kid again, I swear to God, I swear to God, there's going to be so much trouble. That's how we used to do it back in the day, right? I don't know, I'm 33 years old. I'm pretty certain that that is the generation before me and definitely the generation before that, if you bullied their kid, they'd come down and clip you around the ear. The teacher would do it. The teacher would give you a clip around the ear. I don't know. Here's the deal. So I'm always wary because if I see the video going on, I'm like, why, why did the parent not go down that route? Why did the parent not go down the legal correct route of A, the moral and ethical route of comforting their poor, tearful, miserable little child and then going down the moral and legally ethical route of going to the school and making a complaint and going to the police if necessary and keeping an eye and contacting those other children's parents, etc., etc., etc. That's that's the way you go. Instead of going iPhone, record, upload to the internet. Upload to the internet as well. You've just doomed your kid to be bullied ten times worse. You fucking bitch. And here's the here's the here's the kicker. All of my all of my queries, all of my my um mistrust for that kind of response they were they were they were they were clearly correct 
Because Keaton Jones' mum... I mean, this kid started to get tons of offers from professional MMA fighters. Like I mentioned, one of the guys this is one of the guys who sort of outed Keaton's mum as a horrendous racist, by the way, and an opportunist, trying to use sensationalized social media public outrage to make money from the misery of her child. But I'll get to that in a second. But all of these great big professional baseball and basketball and American football and MMA fighters and pop stars and who fucking knows else offered a million different things to this kid. Please come out. We would love to fly you out for the premiere of the new Infinity Wars movie. We would love to fly you out to come and watch a game ringside. We would love to fly you out to do this. And they would have taken care of these parents. They would have taken care of the kid and they could have just had like six months of dope shit happen in their life. And this kid would have felt like a superstar. And he'd have videos with all the coolest people. And who knows, he might have gone on to start a YouTube channel and talk about his experiences. And this kid could have had a chance to be something more than just a victim of bullying. Instead, his epic cunt of a mother sets up a GoFundMe page to get money. I I don't understand how financial remuneration is going to support a child who's being bullied. Like She doesn't need money. She needs people to step up, speak to the school, make complaints. She needs these kids to be told that what they're doing is wrong. She needs them to be shamed into doing that. She needs the parents to be held accountable for the way their children are behaving. That's what she needs, not money. And then, get this. An MMA fighter hit her up and said, hey, we'd love to fly you out, blah, 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 to watch a match. And she goes, oh, uh, actually, could you just... Here's the GoFundMe page. If you could just advertise that and donate money. And he was like, uh, nah. That's not what's going to happen. And then she she used the N-word. She just dropped the N-bomb. Hard on. I just, just went, you know what? I'm a Southern racist. Just fucking laid into him. Oh my God. What a piece of shit. What an epic piece of shit. So she's done two things. One, she's just ruined this poor little boy's chance of having a dope six months of his life. Um, and then, and then she also uh, just doomed her child. I think, like everyone now is going to be like, "Oh, Keen Jones, oh, your mum's the racist bitch who was trying to scam money out of people." You're saying it wasn't the mum who actually set up. This is what my chat's saying right now. It wasn't the mum who set up the GoFundMe page. She didn't technically set it up. Someone else did. But. Oh, hang on. Really? Have I, have I got this completely wrong? Or is this, all, is this all bullshit now? Is this all bullshit? Because now I'm being told that apparently it wasn't the mum who set up the GoFundMe page. And also, the MMA fighter was a fake, it was a fake account that he was talking to. Are these things true? Because if they are, I'm going to have to get rid of this whole segment. (laughs) Oh. Maybe I'm going to have to get rid of this whole segment. Dragon Ball Meow, how, like, confirmed is that? How confirmed is that? Because as of today, when I was looking online, none of that shit was confirmed. God, this is why it pays to have a live audience on a podcast. Because then you don't make the, make the the, 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 the mistake of categorically ruining someone's life by telling them what a perennial piece of shit they are. Because that's... I'm not, I'm not saying that my podcast holds that kind of weight yet. <laughs> but I certainly... I certainly can express an opinion on the facts as they have been presented to me. Everything else involving the MMA fire and the GoFundMe are fakes is Dragon Ball Meow. But apparently she does have a lot of Confederate flags in, in her photos on her social media accounts. So let's go with this. <laughs> let's go with the fact that she's definitely got some, some, some very questionable opinions on race. But she potentially wasn't trying to scam people out of money. Fuck. You know what? Every day's a school day. You live and learn. You know what? I'm going to stick with fucker. Because <laughs> you know what? If you have a Confederate flag flying proudly... In this day and age, then you, you, there's there's a ninety seven 
5% chance you're an utter piece of shit. Poor kid. Anyway, fuck it. His life is ruined. His mum bought that. And actually, look, there's a bigger issue to this than, than, than what will come out about what's fake, what's not, etc., etc. I will check that after this. I'll comment on it next week on the podcast. But here's the deal. There's a bigger issue here. And the bigger issue is videoing your children, uploading it to the internet, and using sensationalized public outrage, social climate, to try and benefit from the misery of your child. Like to try and... She was still trying to generate public outrage to the point where people were going to give a shit. I don't know. I feel like that's... I think that's a bit... I don't know. The GoFundMe company is still going to make sure that the kid gets the money. Mm, I don't know. We'll check on those facts. I'll find out. I'll find out. I'll talk to GoFundMe directly. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep an eye on social media and news sites and see if anyone drops anything that looks remotely like factual evidence. This is the fucking big problem, is that nothing these days, nothing's, nothing's, nothing's real anymore on the internet. I know that. I've been the victim of people putting bullshit up on the internet about me. And it's, it's demoralizing and miserable to think that so many people just go, oh, this looks like it's presented as a real fact. Let me just believe it. There used to be a thing where we had to dig and check into our facts before we said stuff. And I'm guilty of it. Look, I'm guilty of it myself. Talking about this guy's mum. I mean, she's definitely a Confederate flag flying racist piece of shit. <laughs> but, she, but is she a scam artist too? Yeah, I think so. I think she's a bad parent. That's what I think. I think, there's, there's, I think the, the roots, and, and I say this not as someone who, without kids, I say this as someone who raised a daughter for four and a half years. Well, for three years, actually, I was full-time kind of dad, living the house, etc. And I raised a kid, and if I had heard that she was being bullied by kids at school, she was a little girl, she was like five when my, her mother and I broke up. If she was being bullied at any point during her school, I would have gone down to the school, I would have said, tell me who the kids are, I would have comforted her, first of all. Comforted her, you know, wiped her tears away, made her laugh, told her it's okay, bought her an ice cream, made her favorite meal that night, just made her feel loved and supported and protected and told her that I'm going to take care of this. Jeff's going to protect you. Jeff's going to look after you. Then I'd go down to that school the next morning and I'd arrange to see her teachers and I'd tell them what's going on. I'd talk to the headmistress and I'd go, if this continues, if I hear any more of this, there's going to be trouble. It's going to be all hell to pay. No one bullies my little girl and then if it continued beyond that and they hadn't done anything about it I go down there and I punch a few five-year-olds in the face <laughs> I'm fucking joking I'm joking but it would be the easiest fight I've ever had that's a one-punch scenario I know I'm never gonna lose seven-year-olds I don't fancy my chances but five-year-olds bang they they you know they do bounce back though don't they kids they hit the floor and they get straight back up. Who knows? Maybe they take me on. Maybe it'd be like that, you know that age-old question, what would you rather fight? One horse-sized duck or 20 duck-sized horses? And you think, well, God, clearly I'd rather fight the smaller duck-sized horses because, you know, the big one, horse-sized duck, that's going to fuck me up. It's going to be terrifying and huge and difficult to command. But here's the reality. Lots of little creatures can overpower a big creature. I'm just saying. Who knows? Anyway, I don't encourage any of my viewers to carry out any of the things I'm talking about in this podcast. It's a fucking joke. Don't go punching children in the face. However, actually, that's a lie. Let me take that back. If you're a child and you're being bullied, kids are bullying you, punch the biggest one in the fucking nose. <laughs> punch the biggest one in the nose. Real hard. Just land really big punch one day when they're not expecting it. And I guarantee there's a big chance. Yeah, you're going to get in trouble. But there's a big chance those kids won't bully you anymore. Big chance. I was bullied at school. I was bullied at school by a group of kids. And I really let it get me down for a while. And they were calling me gay and all sorts of stuff. You know, trying to pick on me because I had long hair and I was doing theatre. Even though I was in the sports teams, they didn't care. They would just call me gay. And Ugh, I had girlfriends. They didn't like that. It was jealousy. It was, it was childish jealousy. It was... It was you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing as an adult. But I remember one day I just had enough. And even though it used to be a bit of a scrapper, this is when I was younger. 
I just, one day I went in and I walked to the group and one of the kids literally turned around and he went, oh my God, look who it is, it's the fucking girl. And as soon as he just said, J, I just smashed him in the fucking face so hard. Busted his nose up. It was beautiful. And everyone was like, oh, shit. And he didn't even fight back. He didn't know what to do. And his buddies were all like mocking him. They started, because bullies are weak. Bullies are weak. Those kind of people, they need other people to do their bidding. And they surround themselves with weak people. Weak-minded. Weak physically. Just dumb followers and sheeple. So as soon as you take away that person's power, all of their followers will mock them rather than support them. That's the way it goes. So yeah, so if you're a kid listening to this, first of all, you shouldn't be listening to it. There's a lot of adult themes in this podcast. What's wrong with you? Your parents are awful. Keaton Jones, if you're listening to this, one, I don't rate your parents, all right? I don't know about your dad. Never heard of your dad. But your mum, she seems like a bit of a racist bitch. Go out there. Go into the world. Meet some black people. I guarantee, man, you're going to love them. They're cool people. They, they are literally exactly the same as you, Keaton. Got all the same organs. Just humans. Just feeling and thinking, man. you got to get out of that confederate home. ASAP. And P.S., if you're listening, Keaton... Those kids bully anymore. Just punch them in the face. It's probably going to work out right. <sighs> it's amazing. You can get in so much trouble for saying things in jest or as a, a comedic construct this day and age. This is a comedy podcast. I hope you guys realize that. If you don't, you're in the wrong place. If you're looking for a mixture of comedy and social observation through the mind of uh, a man who fully accepts he has an incredible failings of his own. Numerous. Too many to mention. I am, I, for every great thing I can do in the world, I'm also clearly failing at so many other things. It's just one guy's opinion, though. Through the medium of comedy. Um, the show was good. It was good. It was nice raising some money for the vets and for the hemp company that are giving them jobs, growing warriors. I also met a great couple there. This is, here's, a, here's, a, here's an outlook. <laughs> here's an outlook, right? When you're at a bar and there's a very beautiful woman at the bar and she's smiling and looking at you and you start talking to her and blah, blah, blah. And you're talking for a little while and then you find out she has a boyfriend. At what point can you just like go, um, bye. <laughs> like just, uh, thanks. For conversation, you're a wonderful person, but I don't have any desire to talk to you. Because I think there's a huge amount of men in the world who would, at that point, just go, there's no point having a conversation with this person anymore because the intent that we both had when we started the conversation, or at least that I thought was there, was that, oh, here's someone I'm sexually, physically attracted to. I'm going to find out if I'm attracted to their personality too. And then if I am, and if they are attracted to me in the same way, then we'll go and have drinks or go on a date or whatever, and hopefully eventually we'll get naked and do mushy stuff with our genitals. Here's the deal, though. If I talk to someone, male or female, or no, actually, let's be very specific. If I talk to a woman who I think is attractive, and I'm talking to her for the purpose that I am flirting with her because I think she's attractive and I'd love to take her on a date, and then I find out she has a boyfriend, I don't see that as a reason to stop talking to her. And I think that's a positive. I will stop flirting because there's no point after that. You're like, all right, well, cool. If he ever fucks it up, let me know. Like, but now let's just switch to friends mode. Let's just go, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me take this down a notch and go platonic on this bad boy, which is what I did. Um, she, she, you know, we were talking and blah, blah, blah. And she mentioned her boyfriend. Then this guy came back from the toilet and he was her boyfriend. I was like, oh, hey man. And we ended up talking, the three of us, and we had a lovely conversation. They were a really cool couple, a really cool couple. They've been together like 15 years. And they were, she was, he was 37, she was 33. But they looked younger. They were a very handsome couple, very beautiful couple. And I ended up talking to them for hours. We ended up buying each other drinks, swapping details. We were all going to hang out. They were just a cool couple. But we ended up, at some point, I, I, we ended up, you know, he was, he was going, oh, God, you know, we were talking about her being a model. She's a model. She's a, f a fashion and catwalk model. Um, and he works, you know, in a sustainable, organic, organic, uh, organic, um, What's it called? Uh, you know, where you uh, agriculture, organic agriculture. So he's he's you know, 
developing agricultural farming methods that are organically friendly, blah, 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 and making a lot of money through that. We ended up talking at some point. Yeah, Master Shake has already come in my chat now. He's gone, swingers. Tell me they're swingers. Dreams said threesome. Another person in my chat there. Some of the hardcore crew here. And uh, yeah, we ended up talking about about sex and about relationships, etc., etc. And I said, you know, look, I, I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest. Of course, when I started talking to, you know, to you that your girlfriend, blah blah blah, this lovely lady here, I did it because she's attractive. She's at the bar and she looked like she was on her own. And I'm like, hey, I want to say hello. She seems like a nice chick. Wouldn't that be great if uh, if she felt the same way? And I said, when I found out you had a boyfriend, though, that's when I'm like, all right, just change up the gear. I think a lot of men are incapable of doing that. They would just like write someone off, go fuck it. If I if you can't if you can't fuck it, fuck the conversation. That makes sense. Whereas I'm like, hey, I'm interested to meet people. That's what that's what comedians do. We 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 observe people, we meet people, we as actors you should learn to empathize with everyone, every facet of humanity. And uh, anyway, and they were like shit, the guy was saying like that's it. He goes he goes, I'm the same way. He goes, you know, I'll do the same thing and you know and he goes and I don't mind people talking to my girlfriend blah 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 and he goes also sometimes there's time where she wants to talk to a nice girl blah 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 blah. I'm like oh okay and I'm so <laughs> tell me more <laughs> let me live vicariously through your happy relationship where you're clearly boning chicks together and we talked about it and uh we talked about that, co- that 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 concept you know now and as a man who has had um has been the extra guy in a number of different couples relationships you know I'm not into guys but I have absolutely had sex with a guy's, you know, fiance or wife or girlfriend while he's there. We've had sex with that girl together. We've, I've had group sex with, you know, lots of different girls and friends and blah blah blah. Uh, threesomes with two chicks who wanted to do that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I said, I said, I've always enjoyed it. I said, I think it's quite fun. I think it's quite fun. I think if you're in a relationship, and I think the idea of, um, if I was with a girl in a committed relationship. And then the girl decided she wanted to hook up with another girl. I'd be fine with that. I'd be like, all right, do you want me to be involved in it? Or do you just want to do it on your own? I mean, I'd rather be involved. And I think that's good. As long as you talk about it, as long as it's not like super regular thing and that's what your relationship, your sexual relationship relies on. I think it can be a very healthy and positive thing to be sexually explorative in a relationship. But here's the deal. If uh, a girl I was with was like, hey, listen, you know, I love you. I'm with you. It's me and you connected. Um, I just fancy trying out fucking another man with you. Like, I want to have two guys fuck me at the same time. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know how I'd react to that. I don't know if I could do it. I think this, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I'm 100% a hypocrite. But I absolutely have this inherent regressive Neanderthal gene that goes, but, uh, uh, but surely, uh, surely my, my, my marriage is enough for you. Surely you don't need to try anything else. You know, I don't know. And, and the guy and his girlfriend were like, yeah, absolutely. He, he said, I feel the same way. I don't know if I could do that. And she, and, and she said, well, I think it's a, it makes a difference. And here was my idea. I said, I said well, here, let, me, let me answer before you tell me. Is this the difference? I think that ultimately men and women generally see sex as very different things. Very different things. For instance, a girl will absolutely, if she's in a relationship with a guy and she loves him, she's together with him, she will absolutely be attracted to other men, of course. She's only human. Does she want necessarily to fuck those other men? I don't think so. And this is gross generalizations I'm making, but I don't think so. But when she sees a woman that she's sexually attracted to, does she want to fuck her more? And I think, yes, that's more likely. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because women are just glorious, sensual creatures. They're beautiful and they smell nice and they look good and they can be all different shapes and sizes and still be sexy. And it's fucking delicious. And for a woman to get a chance to feel that intimacy because it is about intimacy rather than the act of fucking for a woman to sleep with another woman to feel that intimacy it's a completely different intimacy than what they can get with their partner their husband their boyfriend their male compadre that's why i think a lot of women who even in relationships with men might go you know what yeah we could why don't we get a girl play with a girl together let's do that 
as opposed to going like, hey, yo, I, I need like three more dicks up in this bitch right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can you fill this California king size with as much rigid cock as possible? I don't think a woman's that excited about it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm making gross generalizations. There's absolutely a chick right now who is, you know, circle jerking 15 guys and just having the time of her life. Good for her. Rock on. As long as you're being safe, good for you. Have a great time. Enjoy. Get those stains out. It's going to take a while. But I think that more women would be enticed by the idea of sleeping with a woman with their partner because it's it's like a different experience. It's a different intimacy. It's a more sensual lovemaking experience that they don't always get to experience maybe. The softness, the understanding. A woman knows how to touch a woman's body in a different way than a man does. Just That's just facts. Because they've been doing it all their life. Whereas, I mean, even me, I've been doing it probably about 40% of my waking day. <laughs> or trying. Whereas women, they've been, they've been flicking that bean every single day for their entire adult life. They know how to do it. They know what feels good. So I said all this to them and, um, and they were like, 100%. Well, actually, the, the husband was like, the boyfriend was like, is that right? And she was like, yeah. 100%. No desire to fuck another dude. But yeah, of course. A girl seems interesting. He was like, oh, okay. Well, we should talk about this. I was like, you're welcome, sir. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. 15 years. The two of you have been having sex with the same person. You met as youngsters. You're still young. You're still sexy. And I just hooked you up, brother. With the possibility that your girlfriend's going to get to pick an absolute hottie and bring her home one day and the two of you are going to play with her. You're fucking... Happy Christmas, dude. Happy Chanaka. All right? <laughs> His fucking face. He was so elated. He was like, bro, you really you got me there. You really, you really looked out for me. Fucking wonderful. Here's, 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 the, here's the bottom line of that. I think the best way to explain it is that men and women view sex like going to a party, okay? And they have different responses to going to parties in real life and in sex, if we use that as a metaphor. For instance, men, the party they like to go to, it's warm and it's wet and they get to come at the end of it. So if you go to a dude, you go, hey man, I got a party this weekend and go, oh, okay man, what's the, I mean, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the, the theme? Uh, it's a warm and wet pie. Oh my god, I'm so fucking there. Wait, do I do I need to bring anything? Just just some jizz for the end of it. Oh, bro, I got I got you. I'm there. I'm there. Boom. He doesn't need to know any more details about that party. Is it warm and wet? And can I come at the end of it? That's a guy's. We are so simplistic in our needs <laughs> to to get hard, to stay hard, and to come. Whereas a woman to enjoy a sensual experience. In the same way to go to a party, you should go, hey, uh, do you want to come to the party? We're having another weekend. Well, I mean, what's the party? Oh, it's warm and wet. Okay, but is it, I mean, are they serving vegan food? Oh, I, I don't know. I haven't checked. Well, you should check. What kind of music will be playing at the party? I don't, I don't know. I just know it's a warm and wet party and you've got to bring some jizz at the end. Really? Whose jizz? Mine? Oh, is it going to be other people's jizz there? I don't know if I want other people. How many other people have jizzed at this party before I'm going to bring jizz? Will there be slow jams? Are we going to be making anything? Will there be speeches? I'm a celiac. I can't eat certain types of food. I need to know they're not going to be at this party. No, I'm not going to the party. I don't have the right outfit to wear. Fuck this. I'm, I'm staying home. <laughs> and that's the difference, I think, between men and women in terms of their sexual needs and desires and also, and I, I used a metaphor of parties. Whereas a guy's like, ooh, it's warm and wet. I'm there. I bring the jizz. I'll bring plenty for everyone. <laughs> you know? Whereas a lady's like, I'll come to the party, but the music's got to be good. And you have to make sure the conversation is great first. And, uh, and don't jizz anywhere on my rugs. Bang. Now I'm at the party. John Woody, welcome. Good to have you here. TKE says, I love bringing jizz to a party. There you go, man. You're welcome to my parties anytime. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, I wanted to talk about people I can't fucking stand. There are so many people I can't stand right now. So many people who are who are who are. What's what would be the saying? They're 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 they're, they're tickling my rug. I don't know. I don't know what the what's the what's the phrase? They're 
They're shifting my horn, see? They're pulling my leg. No, not pulling my leg. That's a joke. They're, 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 they're rattling my cage. So many people right now who are, who are, who are running for election that are pedophiles. Oh, wait, sorry. That's, uh, that's Alabama, and he lost. Fuck Roy Moore. Fuck Roy Moore. Here's the problem. Roy Moore is just another guy, another guy on the fucking right conservative piece of shit now being conservative is not a dirty word but he's a conservative piece of shit he's like he's on that that end of the spectrum a fucking judge who was sexually prying on underage girls and guess what white straight male it's so annoying because he's just another cunt that is painting every single one of us who you're not allowed to be a flirty white dude anymore you're not allowed to be a white guy who makes inappropriate jokes you're not allowed to be a white straight dude at a fucking protest or a rally for equality of people because people are like mm, well why are you here what's going on oh, hang on you're flirting is that sexual harassment wait hang on what what the fuck happened there well jesus christ no wait you're not allowed an opinion because you're winning everything in your life is great and and the reason we're not allowed to be and i talk as a white straight male the reason we're not allowed to be any of those things anymore is because of all the fucking epic pieces of shit the biggest of which is running the country right now that's the fucking kicker but pieces of shit like this Roy Moore motherfucker. I'd never heard of Roy Moore before the Alabama election. He was a judge. This guy, is, he's got bank. He's got bank, he's got power, and he was fucking kids, man. He was like hitting on kids. He's a pedophile. He's a predator pedophile. And guess what? Just another reason for the world to hate white straight men. It's so frustrating. Can't we just have like... I need, I, I, we need two things. I need a story coming out like, whoa, this powerful, <laughs> successful, rich, white straight man just fucking saved 12 orphans from a burning orphanage and, and burnt his entire back in the process but he didn't even he refused treatment and instead used his healthcare to save the life of a young mother who was pregnant and undergoing I, I don't know it's just another reason for people to hate white straight men this epic piece of shit Roy Moore anyway th this is the the beauty of it the world has spoken the world has no more time for this kind of bullshit and voters came out and he lost Doug Jones, a Democrat, is now the state representative in Alabama. How, how dope is that? In Alabama. And I saw the voting statistics, and it showed, again, white men and women. Uh, white men and women, this, these are rough averages, but 30% voted for Doug Jones. 65% or 70% voted for... Roy Moore. So it's still 70% of Alabama who are white people who are just pieces of shit. I don't want to go there. i got no desire to go there. I don't think my comedy, my anti-Trump comedy, would go down very well in Alabama. I'd have to just do dick jokes. And they'd have to be all about white, huge dicks and how they're so great. But 95% of black men and women came out and voted. Voted for Doug Jones. It carried him through. Which is dope. It's dope. It's a win. It's a win in two respects. It's a win uh, against against pedophiles. How about that? Against these creepy fucks in positions of power. It's also a win, though. I would suggest for the black community. They got They got to look at this and go, "Holy fucking shit!" Do you remember how long ago it was that we couldn't even legally vote, and now we can change the outcome of something like this? It's so instrumental. I just wish that 70% of white people, sorry, 95% of white people in Alabama had voted against him because he's a fucking pedophile. A fucking child predator. And they were like, well, you know, uh, here in Alabama, some of the kids look pretty good. You know, he's a judge. Come on. What harm can an old judge do to a little girl? A lot of harm. A lot of harm. Fuck Roy Moore. 
and uh, and and GG's Alabama. Well done, Alabama. I feel powerful and happy for you. And thank thank God for some black people coming out to vote. Hey, there's another thing as well. The more people that vote in the world, the more balanced and equal. The more balanced and equal the world's going to be. You know, I, I, I don't care what way you vote. I just think everyone should vote. Everyone. Everyone who has a power to vote should do it. Except that guy in the queue at Riot 8 in front of me. Because he was dumb as shit. Deserves no love. In fact, let me bring this round to a subject matter I said I was going to talk about. And that's, that's, that's people I'm loathing right now. There's, there's a number of different people. I try and be a positive character. I try and focus on the good that I find in people, that I observe in others. But sometimes you can't help but get irked. I live in Venice Beach. I've told you guys that before here in California. It's a very cool place to live. Lots of very sweet people, very artistic vibe. There's still a bit of a community center here, you know, in the, in the sense that people share artwork, music, they dance around the beach. I like that. There's lots of local bars and restaurants. It hasn't completely changed yet with the gentrification, although there are a lot more, you know, douchebag coffee shops popping up all over the place. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's populated by a 24-7, 365 days of the year, Burning Man community. Now, don't get me wrong, I used to love going to festivals. I used to DJ lots of festivals. I like going to places, getting fucked up just like the next person, wearing stupid clothing, taking off that clothing, painting my body crazy colors, and then dancing until the sun rises, and then fucking a chick with dreadlocks that smell a bit funny under the moonlight. Those are beautiful things, except for the dreadlock bit. Fuck that girl. <laughs> She's white. I hate white people with dreadlocks. That's my first thing. Fuck white people with dreadlocks. Like, it's not a cultural appropriation thing for me that annoys me because I think you can have your hair any way you wish. It's you just look shit. You just look like a douchebag. You look like a motherfucker who went on a gap year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went on a gap year. I just went traveling. Oh my God. I just went for a gap year to India to help kids build wells with their feet. And I just changed my outlook. And now my hair is as it's intended to be. What? Fucking dirty and matted, you dirty fucking tramp. Clean yourself up. What's wrong with you? I hate white people with dreadlocks. They're the worst. When I see a Rasta with dreadlocks, a black Rastafarian, I'm like, all right, dope. You're living it, man. You're living it. It's Seuss. It's Seuss a Rasta. It looks good. Dreadlocks look good on black people. On white people, you just look fucking dumb. I don't know. Maybe if we all change that to our natural style, suddenly everyone will be like, oh, this is actually pretty much identifiable with white culture. But I don't think it is. It's not about cultural appropriation. It's just about the fact you look dumb. If you're white, you've got dreadlocks. Get the fuck out of here. You have to be incredibly smoking hot <laughs> to get away with that shit. Incredibly hot. Burners. Here. All year round. I mean, you see them down on Venice Beach. A lot of them are just fucked up. A lot of them are just people who did a bit too much acid or a bit too much ketamine or took one too many mushrooms and they just lost their minds a little bit and now they're just walking around going, hey, my name is uh, Moonbeam Tinkleberry and I sell pictures that I drew with my period blood. And it's like, all right, that's good for you. But I'm allowed to also find you pretentious and irritating as fuck. My problem is, is the rich kids who are burners. Wealthy people who identify with, hey man, it's all about free love and culture and art and sharing. And they do that all year round because they haven't got a single monetary worry in the fucking world because they're wealthy. Nepotism has seen them right so they can act like absolute fucking douchebags. I hate it. Like, get me, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. A chick who likes to play the pan flute and doesn't wear bras and you can see her beautiful erect nipples popping through her soft hemp sewn top as she dances under the crescent moon whilst a drum circle beats out a rhythm. I can dig that. I can get into that at a festival. But that same chick organizing a fire poi class on Venice Beach on a fucking Thursday. Fuck you. Fuck you, get the fuck out of here, you pretentious 
twat bags. I swear to God, I fucking hate you. That guy on the beach, yeah, yeah, I just really, it's about discovering myself. I learned to read tarot. Get the fuck out of here, bro. Doing tarot readings with your shoes off on a fucking Wednesday morning. Your feet are dirty. Wash your feet, man. Wash your feet. Nothing wrong with walking around barefoot, but wash your feet once in a while, you dirty toed little hobbit spaz. How fucking dare you? I fucking loathe them, man. I swear to God, I wish every firepoint performer would just knock over a tank of kerosene and ignite their entire RV. <laughs> Trust fund baby burner bullshit. That's what it is. They love to have wisdom. That's it. Shawk has said in the chat they love to explain life. They love to explain life without having any grip on reality or any empathy for how everyone else in the world is experiencing life. Fuck you. Swear to God. Got no time for that shit. No time for it. I've been doing my hair in. My hair in? My head in. I've been doing my hair in as well. See, look, I'm stuck on the dreadlocks now. I tell you, I'm going to finish up with one other person. Type of person that makes my blood boil. And if you know this type of person, you do know this type of person. Everyone knows one of these types of people. And you see them day in, day out in restaurants, up and down the country, up and down the globe, across the globe. And that is the pretentious wine drinker. Now listen, if you have studied as a sommelier, right? And you drink incredibly expensive wines, and you have dedicated your life to learning about wines and wine tasting, and you own a vineyard, and you collect wines and wait until the perfect time to open them up for special occasions after they've sat in your wine cellar for the correct amount of time at the right temperature in a moderated room to keep them at that correct temperature. If, you, if, you, if you've done all of that shit, you get to fucking swell a glass of red wine around in a restaurant and go mm, oh yes mm, oh it has a nutty hue it's such a oh what a wonderful bouquet oh yes no that's a wonderful bottle we'll take that fuck off if you haven't put in that level of training to be able to do that shit because I see people every single fucking day I go on into a restaurant, every single time I go for brunch with my friends, every single time I go into a shitty dive bar and a girl, a drunk white girl called Becky, orders a glass of vino at the fucking bar and it comes out of a screw top and she tastes it first. I want to fucking slam that bottle across that person's head. Fuck off Malcolm, you pretentious cockbag. Fuck off Becky. You drunken whore. <laughs> like, I, I got no time for pretentious wine drinkers. Get fucked. And I'll tell you the reason why. I've done one wine tasting experience. Some friends of mine wanted to go on a thing. I went, sure, that sounds great. I like drinking alcohol. <laughs> Let's go get fucked up. And I went, and a wonderfully talented sommelier taught us some shit about wines. All of which I've pretty much forgotten. I have, like, tidbits of information. But this guy taught me... Simple fucking rules that I remember to this day. And that is this. When you are ordering a bottle of wine from a restaurant, you should have some idea of the wine that you're ordering, whether you like it or not, whether it's going to suit your palate, whether it's the kind of thing you want to drink with that meal. Certain wines pair with different types of meals. And if you don't know what you're ordering, if you're ordering by price, first of all, then you're just ordering by price. So just take what you're fucking given. If you if you're, don't know what you're ordering then you should ask the waiter or the waitress, the sommelier if they have one, the manager, what would be a good pairing for this food with that wine from your wine list? And take their recommendation because they have studied infinitely more than you will ever fucking know about. Now, this is what he said. When a bottle of wine arrives, you should already know what you've ordered, first of all. Or if you don't, you should already ask someone to give you the information. Then, if the wine, if the wine is cheap enough that it's in a screw top, You don't need to taste it. Just pour it. Because it's clearly not going to be corked. Because there is no fucking cork in the bowl. Sure, it could have been damaged. The, the, the glass could have been damaged. But you should be able to see them opening it. Plus, it would make a, a noise when it opens. It would have some kind of vinegar, uh, you know, oxidized reaction when you open up the, 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 the lid. Plus, even when it's a cork bowl, 
which most decent wines are a quart bottle. When it's a quart bottle, the waiter or waitress, the sommelier, should do two things. One, present you the cork so you can look at it and just see that the cork's not crumbled and rotted and decayed away, which would give signs that air has got into the bowl and therefore it's corked, it's a damaged bottle of wine and you can return it. And B, when they pour a little out, they're not giving that to you so you can stick it in your fat, dumb fucking face and be a pretentious cunt and go, mm, oh, yes, no, oh, mm, oh, that's a lovely, oh, lovely, lovely, mm, or go, mm, oh, yes, no, that'll do, that's fine. Fuck off. The only reason they pour a little bit out is so you stick your fat face inside of that glass and you smell. Now, you can smell and enjoy the smell of the wine. Great, 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 good, good, good. You can do that in your own fucking time. All they want to know is, does that smell cork? Does it smell vinegary? And you know if a bottle of wine is corked, if it's off, because you will smell and it will smell like vinegary piss. If it doesn't smell like vinegary piss, if it smells like the fucking wine, go, thank you very much, that's fine, and let them pour the rest of the wine and drink your fucking wine, get drunk, and go home and have sex with your miserable partner that you hate because you have a pretentious fucking existence. Just get on with it. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. And I'm a boy from the East End of London. All right, sure, I had a reasonable upbringing. I went to a decent school. You know, I got a scholarship to a decent school. My parents worked their asses out of, out of poverty and out of, you know, very working class backgrounds to give me a decent middle class education. But pretension never been my fucking thing. Except when it comes to my ridiculous <laughs> street magician jewellery. But that's, that's my choice, all right? That's, I like looking like a dick. I don't like acting like one. So those are people I hate. If you're a firepoy artist, get fucked. If you're a pretentious wine drinker who doesn't know that you just need to smell a glass to make sure it's not corked, get fucked. And if you're that guy, I think his name was Barry, that's what his wife said to him, in front of me at the queue at Rite Aid, learn how to use the self-service checkout, you fucking moron. Tell you who I don't hate, you guys. Thank you so much for being here for the second episode of the Savage Snowflake podcast. Congratulations again to Alabama for doing the right thing and not putting a pedophile in charge of their, their fucking political, uh, their political outlook in that state. I hope that Doug Jones comes through and does some good stuff for the state. I hope this is a period of change for all of us. I just want to make sure that I say, by the way, I'm getting some hatred in chat right now, some hatred from my friend Becky. Uh, Becky, that was not about you. You are not the pretentious wine drinker. You are an avid liquor drinker, and I love that about you. I've got you. Don't worry. I love each and every one of you who's joined me live. Remember, if you want to be a part of the podcast live when it records every single Tuesday, normally in the evenings I'm doing it at the moment because I've got a lot of other stuff to do and get on with, lots of editing, lots of emails. It's a good time for me to catch up on that shit. So if you want to join us for the podcast, make sure you add me on Twitter, first of all, and on Instagram, at Jeff Leach, J-E-F-F-L-E-A-C-H. Also, make sure you sub for free to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jeff Leach TV and turn on notifications a little bell icon boom press that and it will let you know when I'm live so then you'll know the podcast has started but you'll also see it on the social media as well remember there is episode one you can download it right now from iTunes it's all up there the RSS feed is working it's looking dope and thank you once again to everyone who came across today and took part as part of the live debate also throwing in some bits of information for me on the chat as it goes on live. And also for those of you who downloaded the podcast, if you haven't, please do so. iTunes, download it there. You can get it on SoundCloud too. Make sure to go and download it and subscribe over there. Make sure to leave a review as well. That's the thing that I really need right now is some reviews on iTunes. Five stars, this is awesome. Or one star, fuck this dude. He's a pretentious wine drinking twat. Whatever you want to do, just review it. Just get the, the debate going on because that's what this is all about. A debate intelligent, like-minded people, proving that you don't have to be a dickhead on the far right or the far left to exist in this world. Sometimes it's okay to just be a cool liberal person who likes slinging a few inappropriate jokes around every now and then. I love you guys. I want to say thank you very much as well. The intro song is from a friend of mine, Wally Treats. You can check him out on Twitter. Just search Wally Treats on there. He's, he's produced some great music and he might actually be doing an original score for the intro of the podcast very soon. He's going to be putting a track together for me. Um, so thanks to him. And thanks to all of you. I'll see you next week. Until then, I've been Jeff. I've been Savage. I am a snowflake. And I'll see you next time. <laughs>